0: On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we recap the last about week or so of Kansas basketball. We'll go a little bit over the Wisconsin and Tennessee games that we never really got around to from the battle for Atlantis and then the game last night against Texas Southern. You are locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, and you can also hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN. If you have anything you want the show to talk about, hit us up in the comment section on YouTube or at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, We're going to recap the last week or so of Kansas basketball. Didn't have an episode uh, after the Wisconsin or Tennessee games. Yesterday's episode, we talked KU football against K-State. So wanted to to go into those a little bit more, but also we'll talk about the game last night against Texas Southern. And uh, then we'll finish things off uh, with just kind of overall takeaways from what we've seen over the last week and a half or so. But first, today's episode of Locked on Jayhawks. Is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks, great stuff. Um, You can get it. It's super easy to ship with the box and everything, and then it arrives at your door, and you have all great stuff. Of uh, you just think of steaks, but they have great sides as well. So uh, check out Omaha Steaks. Kansas beats Wisconsin, loses to Tennessee, beats Texas Southern last night. Let's talk with the start with the uh, Wisconsin game first. It was a game that went to overtime. Probably had no business getting there. Kansas had several times where they, I don't know, maybe got up 6, 8, 10 points. Like, I mean, you're up double digits. You're up 14, 15 points. It felt kind of similar to the Dayton game last year where you're in the, the semifinal round of your conference tournament and you have this big lead and you're looking great. And then things kind of start to disappear for you in the second half and you kind of blow the lead and they have all the momentum. It felt like that was going to be the case. But Kansas was actually the one who hit the crazy buzzer beater. Like, if you remember from that Dayton game, they hit like a, a buzzer beater that – it like hit off the side of the rim and bounced in and whatnot uh this time kansas gets the crazy buzzer beater off the zach clemens missed three and bobby pettiford crazy hang in the air shot uh, they had to hit heroics at the end of regulation though too zach clemens misses the corner three saves it off the rebound uh from kind of the baseline area and gets it into kevin mcculler who gets an open three and knocks it down it was a game that Looked like you were going to run away with early. Um, Wisconsin, especially with their offensive struggles, like they scored 43 the day before against Dayton. They put up 43 against you in the second half. So that wasn't great. Your defense kind of fell apart in the second half. It was really one guy, Tyler Wall, just went off in the second half in an overtime against you. And you couldn't really figure out how to stop him. He just kind of went on a heater. Sometimes that happens against other opponents. Like I still think this Kansas team is pretty good defensively. Can they be elite? That's fair question because – you know, for this team to be really good, if the offense isn't one of the top, you know, 15, 20 offenses in the country, they're going to have to be like a top five defense if they want to be in that elite discussion. Right now, they're more like a top 10, top 15 defense, so they do need to take that next step, and and that would be an example of times where, like, there are certain stretches in a lot of these games where it feels like maybe a 10-minute stretch that the Kansas defense goes from being like that elite defense to just being like an average defense and they need to kind of eliminate that um but also the inability to kind of close things out and then you end up behind and and having to overcome that Jalen Wilson phenomenal in that game had 29 points 14 rebounds you didn't really get anything from the bench outside of the Bobby Pettiford game winning shot the center position was kind of a mess slow start from Kevin McCuller in that one but really picked it up ended up having a great game for you Grady Dick struggled uh the teams that have the ability to kind of face guard him and really put an emphasis on getting out to him, you know, before he even catches the ball defensively are the ones that are going to have the best success. And he's not someone who's going to kind of beat you consistently off the dribble. Now, he will be able to beat you off like back cuts and stuff if you play too tight with him. But the good news for Kansas is that if teams are playing super tight to him, it should open up spacing around the floor for other players. Haven't always been able to take advantage of that and the fact that they don't have the guy they can just throw it to down low on the post to where, hey, they can't double him because they threw it to him on the post on the same side as Grady Dick and the defender has to stay tight with Grady Dick. They can't come down to help. Like Kansas doesn't have that ability. So it makes things a lot different right now um, on the offensive side of the ball. Bobby Pettiford though, big shot, hero of the game. Good for Bobby, especially now that he's injured to, to have that one to go back to. He had been struggling coming into the game and really was struggling even in that one that was his only points again of the game big time moment though to come up with that shot for Kansas they come out with the win it's all that matters in the end I guess even though uh, there are certain things that that didn't look great for KU and then the next game against Tennessee the offense absolutely stunk you were down eight points at half despite the fact that you forced 17 Tennessee turnovers in the first half which was just mind-blowing for me tennessee shot really well from three you maybe didn't get around screens as hard as you possibly could and you just got kind of out physical like tennessee is a very physical team they are number three on ken Palm. they are number one on defense on ken bomb this is a very good tennessee team like don't let the fact that they were ranked 22nd coming into that game in the ap poll fool you that is a very good team and they blew out gonzaga in the exhibition they had kind of a weird loss to colorado who's been just a weird team that has beaten good opponents and. Lost to bad ones. I just view that in the same ilk of, like, hey, Kansas lost to Dayton last year. Like, Tennessee lost to Colorado this year. Like, weird things happen. Center struggles, certainly real. Hurt you in pulling down rebounds. The Tennessee big men, like the main three with Adu, who was a guy Kansas was actually recruiting uh, and had nine rebounds in the game off the bench for Tennessee. Him, the like Vlasic, or, or however you pronounce it, the big seven foot two dude for Tennessee. And then their other big men, the like six foot nine power forward. Uh, they combined for like 22 rebounds in that game. That was a problem for Kansas as it kind of has been all season long. And we kind of saw what happens when Grady Dick and or Jalen Wilson do not go off in a game. Right now, the Kansas offense doesn't have a lot of other options. Turns out we we found out because Kevin McCuller missed the Texas Southern game. He injured his groin against Tennessee, and he tried to play through it. I'm sure that certainly impacted things. If you look at the stat sheet, he actually had an efficient game. He only took like four or five shots. That would probably explain it. He wasn't able to be as aggressive, and that would have certainly helped you with another offensive option. With Jalen Wilson struggling, and then Grady Dick unable to get open shots because Tennessee was able to defend him off the ball really well. And then you have Dewan Harris, who at times when Kansas has needed a bucket, he had those back-to-back games where he scored 14 points. He actually has shown the ability to, at times, make tough shots for you, but he fouled out. He was in foul trouble, so you didn't really have any offensive options. That's kind of a throw the tape in the dumpster game for me. In that standpoint, Dewan Harris... If he does foul out again this season, which I don't really expect to, probably won't be in 17, 18 minutes like it was in that one. Bobby Pettiford was hurt, so there's an initiator gone. Joe Yesfu actually played pretty well. That could be a big takeaway from that, 14 points. We get to the Texas Southern game where he kind of built off that. You look at the inability of five men to score, um, which that's kind of a consistent, but just a lot of things in that game that I look at and say, okay, well, Tennessee's a good team. A lot of bad things happen to you. It happens. You know, you're, you're not going to win every game. You're not a perfect team. It happens. So I guess where I'm left with that is there are obvious, again, worries about the offense and who's going to be, you know, the third go to option. Or what happens if Jalen does struggle in like an NCAA tournament game, for instance? Can you pick it up around him? Because in that game, he showed not really the case. But again, it's early. Bill Self talked about how this team's going to be better, you know, in January, in February. I still believe that to be the case. They're 7-1 right now. Still have a big win over Duke. I think they're going to be just fine. In a moment, let's switch over to the game last night. Kansas takes down Texas Southern in a blowout win in Allen Fieldhouse. We'll get to takeaways from that in just a moment here with Locked on Jayhawks. But first, this episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Fall is in the air, and that means fall grilling with cookouts, tailgate parties, and so much more. Luckily, the flavor experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to savor all the flavors of all with their mouth-watering assortments of perfectly aged steaks, ultra-juicy burgers, and easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Now is the perfect time to load up on this incredible flavor and take advantage of 50% off site-wide by shopping their friends and family sale. Go to omasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off your order. I love the filets. I love the gourmet potatoes. They have the great sides that go with it. It's perfect for grilling or even on the stove and for a nice dinner or a big meal meal with family. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com. Stock up today. Omaha Steaks isn't just steaks. It is the best steak of your life, guaranteed. And don't forget to score that extra $30 off your order when you use Locked On at checkout. You won't come close to getting this kind of quality at the grocery store. Visit omahasteaks.com. Promo code locked on at checkout. Minimum order may be required. Kansas takes down Texas Southern, game that was never really close. They covered the... I saw that the spread opened at like 24, and then eventually it worked up to 26. A lot of money was coming in on Kansas. They still covered by a couple possessions. Kind of a a nice bounce back win. Good to have those after the Tennessee game, both for your confidence and to have the ability to experiment with different guys and certainly there was a lot of lineup experimentation that came not just because the score was out of hand and because the opponent also because you kind of didn't really have any other choice than to experiment with different lineups kevin mcculler missed the game with a groin injury bobby pettiford was still out you're still nursing the injuries of kyle cuff and cam martin that left you with nine scholarship players last night but it's it's not just that because you, you still go. Oh well, nine players you can have a nine man rotation. Like that's not that crazy. Four of those nine, if I, I mean KJ Adams can play the four, which we saw a bit last night. But four of those five players are centers. It doesn't leave you with a lot of lineup versatility to play different guards or different wings. I think that we saw a lot of lineups last night that we're probably not going to see again this season, or if we do, it'll be kind of in weird moments against lesser opponents or where you're up big and you're just experimenting with stuff. I don't read too much into some of the lineup stuff, like with KJ Adams at the four and playing a center like Ernest Duda or Zuby Ejiofor or Zach Clements at the five. Like that's probably not something we're going to see much this season, unless there are other injury or foul trouble woes. So I guess it's good that you experimented with that, but a lineup where you have like, you know, Joe Yesifu, uh, who did play very well last night, but KJ Adams at the four and you know Ernest Duda at the five, it's not going to be a very successful offensive lineup. Nonetheless, Joe Yesifu, let's start with that because there's only certain takeaways you can have in a game like this. Like, I'm not going to come away from this saying, see, look, Jalen Wilson, he's this national player of the year candidate. See, he did it again last night against Texas Southern. Like, no, that's that's expected of you against Texas Southern if you're a national player of the year candidate. Grady Dick goes off, like, same thing. But Joe Yesifu, been a nice surprise over the uh, the past two games. The fact that he's been able to stack them up back-to-back games is really, really good because we haven't seen that consistency from him in his time at Kansas. 14 points back-to-back games. He played 27 minutes off the bench because he needed him to with Dewan's foul trouble and Bobby Pettiford getting injured against Tennessee. In this game, he got the start with uh, Kevin McCuller out, which, I mean, you didn't really have any other options. It was either starting KJ at the four and you know starting a five man or starting mj rice or starting joe yesufu just had that good game that was probably what you were going to do but he scored 14 points again looked confident with the shot was hitting open shots was hitting them in transition he had the one blow by move that he had in the first half where he angles into the rim and lays it up and in that was really impressive stuff from joe yesufu said it all along I'll say it again the key for joe yesufu is making shots it's you know simple basketball game make shots right and For him to carve out a role on this team, Kansas is a team that needs offense, they need shot creation, they need shot making, they need outside shooting. Joe Yesifu can provide those things based on the potential of what we think he can be because of what we saw him do at Drake and what we've seen him do in flashes like the past two games. That's the key for him playing a big role on this team, or maybe not a big role, but a role big enough that he is part of the rotation come March right? 10, 15, 20 minutes a game. He can provide that extra scoring punch that you could really use. Maybe similar to to what Remy Martin did for you last year, just maybe a little bit less, um, you know, Remy Martin light, I guess you would say. So that was impressive to see. That was important to see. And you could really use his continued growth. And maybe this is an opportunity with Bobby Pettiford out for him to get more run and gain more confidence, because I don't think it's it's something where he just can't physically do it. Like this dude has like a 40-inch vertical. He clearly has shown the ability in past times in his college career to be able to do it at the highest stage. He put up like 25 points on that USC team that blew out Kansas in the 2021 NCAA tournament. But for him, like we've heard from Bill Self, he's, he just wants to do right by the coaches so bad. And he just he takes everything the coaches say, uh, and, and tries to execute them so well you wonder if sometimes he just gets in his own head and overthinks the game so seeing him be able to do those things back-to-back games maybe this can be a freeing experience for him and he would certainly be an impactful player for Kansas because of what he provides that there's not a ton of players on this team that can do just that especially from that lead guard or two guard kind of position MJ Rice also fantastic game it was kind of the MJ Rice Joe Yesufu game he kind of showed a, a whole repertoire for scoring, right? You saw the three-point shooting. I, I don't think he's really someone that is going to be shooting threes like off the bounce right now, but if you give him an open three and, and he has time to kind of get set and get it out in transition or, or an open three in the half court, he can hit them at a, at a good enough rate that makes it a thing. He also showed the ability, as we know, as, as being a great transition player, driver, dunker, can lay it up and in. We saw some of the floater game. He was really impressive overall. The question now is because we've seen two really impressive games from him. We saw the one against, gosh, I was it North Dakota State, uh, where he, he knocked off the bench in his first game in. I think it was North Dakota State. And We've seen two games now from it. Now, he does have the injuries in between. He has the kidney stones, so that would excuse the games in between where he hasn't been as effective as those two games. But now the key is, can we see it against like a Power 5 opponent? Can, or I guess in, in basketball, it's like the Big 6 conferences with the Big East. Can we see it against a Big 6 opponent? Can we see it against a quality opponent as opposed to one that you're just blowing out and completely overmatched and where you are just a much better athlete than the opposition? Or for example, this Thursday against Seton Hall. I don't know if Kevin McCuller is going to be back for the game or not. They kind of left it up in the air during the post-game press conference. That means even more time for him, which means also more opportunity. But if you do it against a big conference opponent, then it starts to feel more real. Otherwise, right now, it's just you're just dominating lesser opponents. That's the next step for this, but that was a good first sign for MJ Rice because he's kind of in the same ilk of Joe Yesfu. He can provide some things for you that you don't have all the way through the lineup and can be a nice complimentary piece for you playing 15, 20, 25 minutes a game off the bench. Or I guess hypothetically, maybe at some point, if MJ Rice keeps playing like that, we get to a point where we say, what if you start Jalen Wilson at the five and you bring MJ Rice into the starting lineup? I don't know if that would ever happen, but... Point is, there's an opportunity for him to play a big role on the team, even if it's coming in as that sixth man and, and providing a big scoring bunch and giving you an extra athlete on the perimeter. By the way, Dewan Harris reminds me a lot of like Cassius Winston. If you remember with Michigan State, Cassius Winston was so great in pick and roll and finding the open guy, and that led to just an instant high floor for what your offense could be. The difference in the KU offense with Dewan on the floor when he's not on the floor is, is pretty remarkable so far this season and he's similar to Cassius Winston in that like Winston was never taking like off movement threes or really not taking many like pull-up jump shots either he could in the mid-range and he would but it was more of like hey you went under a screen kind of like in the Frank Mason way of doing things with DeWan, we haven't seen that yet that would be the next progression in his game but he's more of like a set shooter and he's a great facilitator great in that uh, like, good defender, just very cerebral game with Dewan uh, That kind of reminds me in certain ways of, of what Cassius Winston did, who, great, unbelievable college player. Still no clue what to expect from the center position. I really like Zuby. I think I'm on Team Zuby officially. That could also change next game. So I guess not officially. Uh, but I, I like the fact that he rebounds the basketball. We're going to, on tomorrow's show, do, like, a deep dive into how Kansas has done the bigs defensively and how they've done in certain regards with rebounding and defensively down low. And I think Zuby can provide some things for you, which we'll get to tomorrow. I just I just don't know, though, what to expect. I mean, Zach Clements, he's going to have to start shooting if he wants a bigger role, and, and that hasn't happened yet. Shot like 40% his senior year at Sunrise Christian Academy. I know that's high school, but you would think that at least means that he is a good shooter. And I, I don't know if it's a loss of confidence or what, but we haven't seen him be able to make it. Ernest Duday has really struggled ever since uh i think the north dakota state game and then with zuby he's been good at rebounding but not doing a ton else though i did like that play where he got the offensive rebound and found the open shooter with joe Yesfu on the perimeter he missed the three otherwise that would have been a good assist for him but showed some skill for zuby but overall nothing's really been put in stone for the center position okay in just a second we're gonna um get to our just overall takeaways from the past three games and do a, I guess, inventory stock check on, on where Kansas is right now with locked on Jayhawks. All right. Overall takeaways from the game. Um, KU just needs the bench to be more successful. They were last night. It's a lot easier against lesser opponents. You had MJ Rice go off coming off the bench. You had solid rebound numbers from Ernest Duda and Zuby Edge for off the bench. But prior to last night, Over the basically previous from the Duke game on so the Duke game, Southern Utah, and then the three battle for Atlantis games, the last five games before last night, the KU bench had totaled over 200 minutes. They'd scored 29 or 30 points, 29 rebounds, basically worked out that if you turned it into a one individual 30 minute per game player. They would be averaging like four points, four rebounds per game. The bench has not been providing much for you. Again, last night they did. And hey, what do you know? You went off for a big game also against a lesser opponent. You need the bench to provide a punch for this team when they don't have automatic offense all throughout the lineup in the starting lineup and they don't have that interior presence. You need those guys to come off the bench firing and giving you energy giving you a lot on that offensive side specifically, but also with the rebounding battle and in in every regard, it's just the offensive side is probably the most important from what you could get from your bench in terms of the player personnel, what they could provide and what you need the center position, just an absolute mess right now. As I mentioned, uh, I like Zuby, as I said, but neither guy between Zuby, Ernest and Clements are carving out more of a role than the other. And you really could use one to KG Adams, really good defender. Gives you possibilities as a switchable five-man, really good offensive rebounder, makes a ton of hustle plays for you, actually good on lobs and and making dunk catches, and I think they showed a little last night what he can do in a short roll situation, because he is actually a good passer, and I think that'll be something they explore more to use him on offense, so that he's not just someone the defense isn't respecting. Like If you can get him the ball in the high post, and he can make good passes or, or drive to the rim and finish, that would be super helpful for you, but He struggles as a defensive rebounder. You need someone to come in and be able to man that down because that's a very big key of defense. You can't get a stop unless you come up with the basketball at the end of it. That's why you see a lot of times like defensive player of the year in the NBA. It's one of the guys who had the highest number of defensive rebounds. It's not just about shot blocking and altering shots. You have to clear the defensive possession with the defensive rebound. Defense, I think I said this earlier, can be good. But right now, it's not great yet. That, I would imagine, is going to get better. You have new players in there, young players, who are getting used to talking and knowing when to switch, knowing the scheme, knowing the system. I would also imagine KU, because we've seen this with Bill Self, he, as the season goes on, especially once we get to conference play, will adjust how they play ball screens, especially. We saw a couple years ago they started to, to go into that like icing. or I, I'm not into the X's and O's enough to, to tell you the difference here, like hard hedging or, or whatnot, uh, maybe playing drop coverage. Uh, here's just different terms that they could possibly do. Again, I'm not going to break down what they could or couldn't do, what they're doing or not doing right now. I would imagine some of that stuff is, is going to get changed up or altered to the specific personnel. But that's part of why it'd be more beneficial to pick one guy. Because maybe for a guy like Ernest Uday, what if he's better at icing ball screens? Or what if Zuby Edifer is better in drop coverage? So that if you could find your one center that's going to play a line share of the minutes with KJ Adams, so like KJ's playing 20 minutes a game, the, the other center is playing 20 minutes a game. And maybe if one gets in foul trouble, or you give another a look for five minutes in a specific game, but you know that, hey, for a majority of the game, we're going to play this style of defense as opposed to having to change it up based on the center. That could be beneficial. Again, though, the defense has been good. There are stretches and moments in time where it feels like it fades to being average. That's maybe the difference between them being an elite defense and just a good defense, and that could be the difference of this team being elite versus just being a good team. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Jayhawks. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to deep dive into the big men, how they've done rebounding. And defensively against some of their recent opponents. Uh, on Thursday's show, we'll preview the Seton Hall game. And then on Friday, we'll recap whatever happens in that game. Thanks for joining us today on this edition of Locked on Jayhawks. If you have anything you want to ask, comment section on YouTube, at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, whether it's anywhere you get your podcasts or through YouTube. That'll do it for today. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Truck Sports Talk later today. Bye.